0: You're listening to the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me as always is the Director of Technical Service, Paul, wait for it, Jameis. How's it going, Paul? Oh, all right, Jack. It's been cold. It has. Uh, we have a, a single-digit day here in St. Louis today, and, you know, I want to bring something up, and the, the timing of this might seem odd for the, when this release, but this is the first time we've recorded since this happened, and... Uh, How mad were you on Sunday night?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was, it was that bad. It was that bad. So many
0: of you know, (laughs) we've talked about Paul being a a natural Clevelander and that he's a Cleveland Browns fan. But the thing that we haven't talked about before is Paul likes to claim two teams. I guess that's because the Browns are never
1: good. Well, but honestly, neither was my other team my whole life. Yeah, it's true. A little history. My family's originally from New Orleans. I grew up going to New Orleans every year as a kid and i lived in new orleans with my family for uh, seven years before i moved here and came to carboline so you know i i do i lived in new orleans for katrina i was there for the super bowl i have it in my blood to consider myself a new, new Orleanians also okay yeah so, so so i do take that that part there and and my kids grew up and only knew the good saints yeah they're so. spoiled <laughs> a little bit there yeah they are. they are they they didn't grow up with a bag over their head and uh, you know i you said
0: the bag over your head. I got kicked out of the Scott Trade Center one time here in St. Louis because my buddy wore a bag over his head to the Blues game because the Blues were so terrible. And what's funny about that story is we ended up meeting the president of the Blues because of it. Um, <laughs> he wore his bag over his head. A local sports writer wrote an article about the fans are so embarrassed that they're even wearing bags over the heads now. And we we ran into a rogue usher who did not, she was was what we call a blusher
1: here in St. Louis, (laughs) and
0: she did not like that my buddy was wearing a bag over his head and got a little power trip and had security toss our whole group out for the bag over his head (laughs) because he refused to take it off, basically, is the abbreviated part of the story, but. When the sports writer wrote about that, I hit him up and I said, you should call him and tell him you got kicked out of the game for doing it. <laughs> and so, see, the
1: different in New Orleans, they would pass out the bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It ended up with him being live on the radio with the president of the Blues and the president of the Blues apologizing to him. For being thrown out of the game, and then he took us to a game, and he came down and like sat the whole second period with us in the stands while we watched the game. Well, that well, that's an awesome ending. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was a little sidebar to our sidebar of uh, the Saints, and uh, I guess mugging
1: is legal in the NFL now. It sure is. It sure is. So much for player safety. Yeah, no,
0: they don't care about that. No, they just, just they cared service. about not getting sued. Yeah. Nope. Paul if uh, they want to call you make fun of you ser- sharing your sorrows for the uh, saints uh,
1: how do they get hold of us Yeah they can get us at technical service at carbaline.com I'm on Twitter at Paul underscore ctSP Jack's at jack underscore ctSP
0: So we're not the only carbaline employees here that have dabbled into the media industry Recently uh, an article was written by one of our rail technical managers about baked phenolics and phenol service and it was written by john myers of our rail team and we decided to have him on this week to talk about the article and uh, just a little bit more about rail and Carboline. here's that interview joining us today on the Carboline tech service podcast is john myers he is the rail technical manager for Carboline. hey john welcome to the
1: show
2: good morning guys good to be here
1: hey john so i'm gonna jump right into it because I was going through, I saw on my Twitter feed, you know, about the same time I was reading an article, you're kind of a big deal in the industry. You're You're published and a technical guy and a salesman. Man, you kind of wear all the hats.
2: Well, I guess it's a little heavy on my head, but, uh, (laughs) you know, we do what we can do. I don't know about that. I certainly appreciate that. I've been around a long time, done a lot of different things. Half of it was Carboline, and and, uh, it is an interesting industry.
0: So I wanted to... We wanted to have you on the show because, like Paul said, we saw that you are now a, a published author in JPCL, and uh, you wrote a nice little article here about uh, baked phenolics in phenol service, and we thought it would be a good opportunity to have you on and talk about Carboline and their business in the rail industry.
2: Okay.
1: So, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis out there in the, in the rail world for
2: Carboline? Well, besides... Uh... Dealing with customers in the southeast, specifiers and railcar shops. I'm responsible for our tech service guys. We're constantly fielding questions, and and directing it to you guys in St. Louis. Recommendations for interior coatings. A lot of conversation about how it should be applied, how precisely it should be applied, how uh, closely things should be inspected, and just troubleshooting issues. Fortunately, it's uh, when we have problems. It seems to be more of the applicator's making than ours, but from time to time, we have issues that we have to deal with. But it's, I don't know, it's an interesting business. And as you guys know, those in the rail side of it have been around a good while. Everybody knows everybody else. You can't hide very much from anyone. And every day is a new one.
0: Well, that's one thing I kind of want to highlight about what you just said. And I, I kind of want to drive it home to everybody listening in. Not only with CarbLine, do you have our internal tech service, you know, me and Paul, we have our field guys, we have some fireproofing tech service guys, but we have a whole specialist team of technical service guys dedicated to the rail industry.
2: That's true. We have two guys specifically for that purpose. Of course, I've got a half of my career was spent on the application side. Jesse Fetters up in Pennsylvania spent a good deal of time on the application side with a number of different people on Carbond's OEM business. Dan Rushing in Houston has been with Carbline for a long time, exposed to a lot of things. Our director, Matt McDonald, as the sales group within the rail group, uh, have have come from a lot of different exposures. And we like to think we bring with us a really broad and precise technical background that helps sell the products that Carbline makes. But it is a unique one.
1: And, you know, John, one of the – I use the rail group as the example – when I talk to new people out in the world and, you know, they ask me, well, what do you do as a, as a tech service engineer for Carboline? The rail group is my example that I give usually first. And I tell them, I said, you know, basically when you watch the train go by, every one of those train cars have paint on the inside and the outside. And it's pretty straightforward to get the paint for the outside, but I work with the group that makes the specifications and the recommendations for what's going on the inside of those cars. So when you see that car go by and it's full of sulfuric acid or corn syrup or coal or whatever it is, I'm with that group that helps to make those recommendations as to what should be in there, if there's paint even needs to be in there.
0: And I'm and that th- nerd that sits there as that train goes by, and I'm, I always hope to be first in line because I try to read the dang things <laughs> as they go by because yeah. <laughs> the uh, coatings are stamped right there on the outside of the train. Uh, it, it'll tell you what's on the inside and the outside. And as that train whizzes by me, I try to read to see how many of them are car blind. <laughs> yeah.
1: Usually I can right make out about one word out of a whole train. <laughs>
2: I'm right there with you. And when folks ask me what I do, we just moved a couple of years ago to uh, south of Atlanta. And people ask me what I do. And you know I'll start off by telling them I work for an industrial coatings manufacturer. What does that mean? Well, I <laughs> work on rail cars. If you're sitting at a crossing... And watching that train zip by, look for Carbline or Placite down at the bottom right-hand corner, and uh, that's me. What? You actually (laughs) get in that car? Yes, you do. (laughs) It's hard to believe.
1: It's amazing how many times the response is, well, I thought they just made them out of metal and they didn't paint them. You're like, well, yeah. Yeah, they do make them out of metal, but they still need to paint them. All right, it's that time again. It's that time to remind
0: you that Carbline pays the bills, and they're paying a bill for us. They're sending us out into the public, Paul. We
1: are going to get... To go out and meet people in the wild. I can't believe it. If you don't know what we're talking about yet, you need to stop by at the SSPC Codings Plus Conference in Orlando, Florida. It's February 12th to the 14th. Carboline is going to have a booth, and
0: guess what? We're going to be doing the podcast live in the booth. That's booth number 601. You come by, stop by. I think we have a giveaway for you. Plus, you know, you get to hang out with me and Paul. What could be better than that? Yeah, we'll be doing some recordings live in front of the uh, studio right there. Alright, that's again, that's uh, booth number 601 at SSBC Coatings Plus in Orlando, February 12th through the 14th.
2: Well, one of the analogies that I use is to tell people, you know, your plastic Coke bottle, your plastic milk bottle, anything made out of plastic, you know, that material was hauled in a in a covered hopper car somewhere along the way. And you don't want it to look brown and rusty. And so our paint, our coatings are what to prevent that from happening as well as protecting the car.
0: Well, and that's one thing I kind of wanted to bring up that I really loved about your article is that the first couple paragraphs, you kind of talk about how prevalent the rail industry is in our everyday life. And, and most people typically don't think about that because for the most part, the, the rail trains are riding in not very populated areas. So if you could kind of give us a quick breakdown on on, on that part of your article.
2: Well, yeah, there's, what I say? Two million pieces of rail rolling stock in the U S and that's everything locomotives, flat cars, box cars, covered hoppers and tank cars that we deal with. I mean, obviously we sell the paint for a lot of those things, but the interior coatings would be in covered hoppers and, uh, and tank cars and beyond the hazardous things, crude oil and solvents and, and fuels that are hauled plastic pellets, corn syrup and sweeteners that are used in anything that's sweetened pharmaceutical devices, fertilizer. I mean, there's a whole wide range of products, intermediate finished goods that are hauled by rail. Many of them, if not all of them, uh, require some level of product purity and certainly some level of protection to the car, to the rail car, so that uh, it doesn't burst and spill and leak and cause any kind of headaches. And that's that part of it is is getting a lot more attention here in the last Three or four years when the FRA's become more heavily involved in the regulatory side of things and uh, looking at shops, looking at applicators, mm-hmm. looking at builders more closely. But the, uh, yeah, the phenol thing was interesting because, you know, we don't, those of us in the rail group, uh, unless there's a problem all too often, we don't get to see our coatings after they've been in service. Rail car shops see them every day. They replace them. They repair them. They do whatever they may do with them. We don't very often get the opportunity unless we just nose around when we're in a shop to see how our coatings and our competitors' coatings are holding up. So we had stumbled across that particular car. And since then, we've seen several that are of comparable age that uh, have been around for a generation, half of its life, and uh, still in in, uh, uh, pristine condition virtually. Always some level of repair has to be done, but it's relatively minor. And uh, that got the attention of the guys at JPCL and reached out and asked a little bit more about it. So,
0: yeah, you talk about bake finalics in that article specifically. And that is a coding technology that when we recommend it in internal tech service to anybody outside of the rail group, we get a... Uh.
2: (laughs) Well, we get that on the rail side too, believe me.
0: But... So that's a very unique technology. And we talked about it in uh, the tank lining series, episodes 11 through 14. But if you remember back to then, one of the things that we talked about is that that's how it gets its crosslink and how it finally cures and is that heat drives mm-hmm. that chemical reaction.
2: Fake phenolics are used almost exclusively for product purity and in services that are just there's no other alternative. Uh, I mean, there may be some lower bake alternatives and they work pretty well. Well, I'll give you a, for instance, along with the phenol car, I looked at a group of uh, cars in Holland, antifreeze, ethylene glycol. Half of them were lined with, uh, with R3070 plus I-3070. The other half were lined with an epoxy from a competing company and they were 10 years old. Well, the 3070 line cars were There was nothing wrong with them, absolutely nothing wrong with them. A chip on the manway that's mechanical damage, not too unusual. The epoxy line cars were in in fairly good shape, but beginning to blister in areas. So, you know, that type of coating in most of the services where it's used will last, well, not forever, but a very, very long time. Solvent service, it'll last, it could last the life of the car. Uh, We use it in sulfuric acid, it's good for five to seven years, uh, and that's just, the way it is Uh, we've been using some low bakes there but uh you know where it's used and and where it's recommended it's a long performing uh coating yep folks don't like to deal with it because there's a series of bakes involved the last one uh, 375 to 400 degrees metal temperature if it's a non-insulated car or non-insulated tank you've got to wrap it with insulation it takes it just takes time and and unfortunately, people don't want to take that time these days.
1: That's right. But that is one of the things that also makes it a little more appealing to the rail group where they've got a set of – I mean, once you, put a, once you put a rail car on the rails, they don't move them off and very far away from those rails. So they build their paint booths and their ovens and their heater units around that kind of a scenario. But that's also valuable real estate. So they don't want to spend a lot of time waiting for something to cure because a lot of the tank linings we look at – you know, five to seven day cure for a return to service is not uncommon, but if you were to take a rail car and say, now it's got to sit and occupy this space on this rail for another week, it would just tie things up and bottleneck them. So that's one of the benefits of this heat process, this forced cure process that goes through with these phenolics is it helps throughput at the end to get them back into
2: service. Well, that's right. Of course, there's there's no way around it with a baked phenolic. It has to be done with some epoxies. You can You do have that ambient cure cycle. Force curing is almost always done in a rail car shop. For what you had just said, Paul, that time is of the essence. Space is always limited. Their customers are always hammering and clamoring to to get things out the door. Lead times are relatively long. And the quicker you can move, the better. When 3070 and its predecessor, 3066, were around, they were typically a three-code application. Uh, sometimes four, and, you know, with a bake in between. So you can imagine, you know, it's a day, each one of those. And we've seen folks move, and our our specifiers ask whether or not 3070 could be applied in two coats. And it can. It better be a good applicator to do it because you have a little less attention to detail. But it but it can be done. And when it's done right and when it's done well, well, you see uh, what what we saw in that, uh, in that one phenol car, and there have been many others just like that.
1: We end up seeing a rail car that lasts 24 plus years and it's still rolling.
2: Yep. And realize, you know, that car is required to, it, it has to be retired in 50 years or tank car cannot be on the rail more than either 45 or 50 years. So that lining that was applied in the late mid 90s has already been through half of that rail car service life, which means that they may replace the lining just because, well, they've gotten their money's worth out of it. But they only had to do that once. Not maybe five, six, seven, eight times for some other uh, coatings that might be reasonably good in that service, but uh, not as good. And actually, in case of phenol, it's either uh, a baked phenolic or inorganic zinc. Nothing else will will work
0: all right, well. Once again, that article is called Fight the Phenol Baked Phenolic Railcar Linings for Extended Service by you, John Myers, from our company, Carbaline. It's on jpcl.com, or you can go to paintsquare.com and
1: find and the article there. It's in the, uh, what's it, that, the January issue, it's if anybody January gets issue, it at home.
0: It is also on our website at com, and you can find it through any of the Carbaline social media accounts. And- before we let you go, I just I, I want to let you two and, and our audience into a little bit of how Jack's brain works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this could be scary and dangerous. Oh,
0: it will be scary and dangerous. So w- one of the things, you know, we were talking about what we tell people, what we do when we say we work for an industrial pain company. And one of the things that came up uh, with the Bake phenolics is how we use it for sulfuric acid service. And that's always one of the things that I tell people to kind of like wow them is that we'll do when we do chemical resistant linings, one of the things that we can handle is sulfuric acid. And that always is like a wower. But here's where the nerd sci fi guy comes in. And for the last part of that talk here, all I was thinking of was wow, so baked phenolics are good for acid service. And the aliens and aliens have acid for blood, so I wonder if their veins are somehow
1: phenolic in nature.
2: <laughs> well, that's a different era. What I would have thought of that.
1: <laughs> Did you ever expect that? That's where this conversation was going, Don. Not
2: in the least. <laughs> We have to do this again sometime
0: we? <laughs> we absolutely do and john thank you so much uh hang on the line uh we'll talk to you after we hit the record off but uh thank you so much you
1: for will. coming on the show thanks john right. thank you
0: all right that about does it for us thanks for sticking with us and our weirdness we'll see you next monday Who put the line?